0: Welcome everybody, War Room the Hockey Podcast, episode 86. 86 this week, uh, make sure you head to Apple Podcast, Spotify, we are on Amazon Music and iHeartRadio, make sure you subscribe, like, rate, review, share with everybody you know, everybody you can, uh, engage with us, we would love to hear from you, talk to us, write in questions, stories comments anything you want to you want to share anything you want to ask we'd love to hear from you episode 86 in the hockey podcast this week again on zoom we discuss a number of topics not the least of which being the jack eichel um, medical comments that he that are being made and the rumors around him being traded will he be traded will he be traded for what buffalo wants for him all that good stuff so playoffs are underway as well make sure you tune into those they're well underway 3-4 games in for some of these series some are just getting underway as of this recording toronto gets started tonight game 1 against montreal other series boston is up 3-2 colorado up 2-0 winnipeg beat edmonton 4-1 in game 1 a lot of good a lot of good action carolina up 2-0 tampa bay up 2-0 A lot of exciting stuff. So make sure if you haven't tuned in, you tune in. It's exciting stuff. Playoff hockey, folks. We're in the Hockey Podcast, episode 86. We are great friends with Ryan Walter. Had him on the show a couple weeks ago. Love, love having him on. Zoom kind of cut us off. It's a shame Uh, that conversation could have gone on a lot, lot longer. Uh, We look forward to having him on again and hopefully not running into those same technical issues and enjoying a fluid, conversation without the stress of being rushed so ryan we appreciate it we thank you ryan walter ryanwalter.com War the hockey podcast settle in uh, we'll jump right into our zoom conversation this week of episode 86 well war room back on zoom this week uh, really enjoyed last week with ryan walter
1: yeah i wish we hadn't got cut short at the end uh, it was well it's something to keep going mind. on
0: Something to keep in mind for next time that you know, um, you know, as great as as great as it is to do both, you know, having the friendly conversation and then getting into the topic. Um, based on Zoom giving you time limits, we will we may have to choose which one we want. Do we want to spend tw- twenty five minutes? You know, how's the family? How you doing? Share some stories, or do we want? You know, presentation
1: leadership type thing, and yeah, that you're right, though that was fun, and and we'll know better next time. Not
0: nonetheless, it was a good. will be back.
1: Good we'll conversation.
0: So definitely good. Um, playoffs are set. Playoffs are set and ready to go um, in all divisions. Uh, bracket lines up north and west, east and central. So, um, and the playoffs begin this weekend.
1: Yeah, um, anyway.
0: as of this recording today is Friday, so they begin um, as early as if not this evening, then tomorrow.
1: Yeah, I believe. This recording. Uh, yeah, I believe Saturday the fifteenth is when everybody, uh, when a handful of them tee off, and by Monday or Tuesday, the uh, seventeenth and eighteenth, everybody will be in action by then. Toronto, so Winnipeg if, tonight. Sorry, Toronto Winnipeg tonight. Right. You know, I just watched that one. Uh, Meaningless as it is, if you had to go in right now, now that we know who the 16 are, if you had to go in and pluck out, you're going to have, you're going to have some, uh, it's just like making cuts at training camp. You're going to have a handful that are, that are slam dunks that are going to make it. You're going to have maybe this year, there might be three, I don't know, two, three, four teams, maybe that you would consider not really having a legitimate chance, but all the other 12 or 13 or however many teams are left, you there are just no shocks. There are no surprises in any of them. Yeah. And I suppose okay, I'd, I'd like to see who you would throw out. <clears throat> Obviously throw out the high and the low. I would say probably Minnesota and Nashville are extreme long shots, to go more than you know, maybe an upset round.
0: That's uh, uh, that's interesting for me though because it's I could have said the same thing about Minnesota in the regular season. And well, so, we did. And we, well, not not could have we did. You're correct. Yeah. We did. And look at them—they're third in third in the West. And until until Colorado and Vegas kind of separated themselves in the final six or seven games, they were right there competing for for the top in the West. So. Right it's i i'm hard pressed to make the same mistake predicting minnesota is a long shot um, but they do get vegas in the first round and it, it it is it is the uniqueness of the playoffs in general but especially this year again nobody is really a surprise if
1: they were to hoist the stanley cup so well remember this think about this there's a, there's a big difference between being a cup contender or winning a cup or going to the finals and just, you know, maybe a Minnesota or a Nashville pulling a first round upset. So you go in and Talbot or, or Kakanen or somebody, they, you, you steal a couple of fluke games against Vegas and you upset Vegas, turn the, turn the world upside down. And it happens every year. There's not ever been a year where somebody didn't get upset. So, that's all fun and games, but then, then what? Now you get Colorado, most likely. Or you get St. Louis, even, in a seven-game series. So big difference between an upset in the first round and being a legitimate contender. And that's why I say, you know, you can throw out the high and the low, and there are probably – like every year, there are three categories of teams that could win. Uh, there are three categories of teams in the playoffs, those that are not going to win, those that might win, those that could easily win. It's just that this year there's only a couple of them that just simply aren't going to.
0: Well, go in division-division real quick. Yeah. Uh, Colorado gets St. Louis. Colorado President's Trophy winners and first in the West. They get St. Louis. And Vegas gets Minnesota. Mm -hmm. Um, Two good matchups there. St. Louis I, St. Louis is interesting to me, and on a personal note, as an Avalanche fan, they worry me just because of their experience in the playoffs. Stanley Cup champions a couple years ago. They know how to play in the playoffs. they do. Minnesota, Vegas, on paper, that looks like it's a no-brainer. Vegas walks out of that one. Um, but again. Anything can happen. My two picks there is it will be, though, at the end of the day, Colorado-Vegas.
1: Conventional wisdom, and it would be really hard to argue with.
0: Uh, coming out of the West, though, of those two teams, who do you pick?
1: Careful here. <laughs> who, do you you, know, who do you pick? <laughs> once the first round is over, I don't want to use the word luck necessarily, but it is who stays healthy, who gets a decent goaltending performance, who hits a crossbar and goes in or goes out, like all these things, who goes to clear a puck and it goes into the netting and you're serving a, uh, now, now you're three on five. All these things, they're not luck, but the, the margin of difference between a Colorado Vegas, for example, in round two, the margin is a goalpost. That's it. I mean, a seven game series could be decided by a goalpost literally. So it's almost impossible to say, uh, I, I give, I would give Vegas the the edge in goaltending. It's going to be tough for Colorado to play that heavy of a game. Uh, but we'll see. I mean, look what Gruby did to him a couple nights ago. So anything can happen. And he's, he's proven to be a long-term good solution. Stay healthy, get a bounce, Anybody can, from the second round on, it can, it can go any way.
0: East, East Division Pittsburgh gets the Islanders, and Washington gets
1: Boston. Washington is banged up. I don't know because nobody's saying too much about uh, Oshie and Samsonoff uh, and John Carlson, and those are three big, big pieces. I don't like Washington's goaltending. I don't think they have the goaltending, and, and if, they're, if they're beat up a little bit, I, Boston is likely to be able to beat them. Pittsburgh and the Islanders, a coin flip. That's a high-powered team in Pittsburgh against a clampdown team in New York. Now, I saw, I saw Varlamov get kind of carried off a couple nights ago. Where does that leave him? Yeah. Here we go already, right? So again, conventional wisdom, I'm gonna take Boston and, and Pittsburgh in that division.
0: Boston, Pittsburgh, um,
1: Pittsburgh coming out of the East? I would sure think so. Um, I like their goaltending. I, like I like their size and speed combination better and certainly <laughs> experience. And with everybody healthy, with Crosby and Malkin and everyone healthy right now, I, I, I do like Pittsburgh there. Temper that with the fact that Boston has knocked Toronto out of the playoffs for like the last 17 years in a row. So I'm kind of gambling with my heart there a little bit. But yeah. that, that's, that's another one because of the goaltending and because of the way uh, Cassidy's got the Bruins playing. It's just another one of those you know, crossbar kind of differences in a seven-game series. How about you?
0: Yeah, no, I agree. Um, Pittsburgh, though, is to me, is a team built for it. And so they're my pick to come out of the East. Yep. Okay, i go with that. North Division you get Toronto and Montreal and then Edmonton and Winnipeg.
1: This is a this is a real interesting one to me because I've watched the most of this of of any of the divisions this year by far. And I know <laughs> Winnipeg's on a skid right now. <laughs> I sure I, I should sure don't go to sleep on Winnipeg because Hellbock is is sturdy and they are a big gnarly team. And I really like them in the playoffs. I have been on the Montreal bandwagon since the preseason. And again, that's, they've added Josh Anderson and they added to Foley. <laughs> They're really strong. They've got Edmondson on defense. They've, they've made some great additions, Kerry Price is back healthy again. Uh, this is probably the most likely upsets of the four. They're probably, you're ready for more upsets in this in this first round in the North than any of the other four. And just for fun, because I'm going to stick with them, I'm going to take Montreal and Winnipeg to come over there in round one.
0: Well, to me, it's not really an upset though for Winnipeg. And I only, I only look at it simply on the basis that, you know, all due respect, you, you shut down McDavid and, and what can Edmonton do? And yeah. So they've either got to prove what they can do in the playoffs or they're going to get made to look foolish and, and have some big decisions to make. But right now, your guy is Connor McDavid. And if Connor McDavid and even Drysaddle aren't on the score sheet, they're
1: not winning hockey games. Well, you saw that So when Toronto went into Edmonton uh, in April. And yeah. swept three in a row or four in a row, something like that, made them look silly. And McDavid and Dreisaitl had like an assist between them in the entire week. So you're absolutely bang on. When, when,
0: you're, when they're winning hockey games,
1: like any team,
0: but especially for, for Edmonton, when they're winning hockey games, it's easy to point out the rest of the roster and how well they're doing but when, oh, all yeah. of a sudden, when all of a sudden they lose games all of a sudden it becomes crystal clear why they're losing games and not just why they're losing games but why they're winning games and it becomes crystal clear that all they have is mcdavid and DrySidle. yeah
1: and still too one-dimensional i also you shut, you shut, them, down. The- you shut them down what, what does edmonton have so exactly and i'm you're absolutely right and we saw it i the other the other concern for me in in the playoffs and the reason I, I like Montreal over Toronto is goaltending. I'm not I love Jack Campbell. Not completely convinced of him in the playoffs yet. Maybe, uh, but Kerry Price, yes. Again, Price and Allen together, and again in Winnipeg and or in um sorry yeah in Winnipeg and Edmonton. I'll take I'll take Bucky over uh, Smitty every day for the time being. Bucky's just more consistent. And so I'll stick with that. And those are, those are reasons enough to, to bring those teams close enough together for an upset. Yeah.
0: It's, um, <clears throat> it's amazing what, what McDavid can do for you though, because it, creates and he's great. But what I mean is, is if this is, if, if it were any other team, the superstar player, McDavid, McKinnon, Crosby, anything like that wouldn't be enough. No. All the analysts in the world would still say, Oh, I don't I don't see them winning because. But it's amazing how blinded some of the, you know, quote, experts and other podcasters and all these people are out there to Edmonton and their chances because of McDavid. All of a sudden, all of a sudden now, and it goes back to what I said a minute ago, all of a sudden now. Smith and Net is is finding this game again and is solid. And oh my God, <clears throat> Nuge and all these these things. And it's like, well, that's great. But would you be saying this? Would you be saying the same thing? And I can I can actually point to proven evidence in past years with the likes of say Colorado, how all of a sudden McKinnon or McKinnon. Landis Cog and Ranton in that top line wasn't enough, right? They're lighting it up. They're carrying the team. They're this and that. And everybody and their mom says, Ooh, I don't like Colorado. Ooh, they're goaltending. Ooh, they're depth. Ooh, this or that. But Edmonton and McDavid, all of a sudden, here they go Stanley cup playoffs. And it, it's,
1: it's interesting to see kind of that bias. That's why they play the game. And I can, I can understand the bias to some degree. And I know this is not, I know you're one of them, at least on the fringe of the camp of being sick to death of hearing about McDavid, even though he's only like 24. But the guy is, except for those three or four games against Toronto this year, no one has figured out how to stop him. Nobody can skate with him. Nobody can stop and nobody can do anything with this guy. So he's more capable. And I, am I probably would take Nate McKinnon uh, given the chance first overall, but this guy is just, he's just impossible to handle. That's all there's to it. He's more capable of owning a game than anybody else in the league. Right
0: oh, a hundred percent. Don't take anything away from him. I, I don't, on an individual level, I don't take anything away from the kid, he's tremendous. He's the best player in the game, arguably for a reason. And, you know, it is what it is. My, my point is he's, he's more of a right now. Anyway, he's more of a basketball style superstar where he's the guy, (laughs) right? Okay. He's, he's the guy in Edmonton. Yeah. The
1: team goes how McDavid goes. Uh, that's a good that's a good way to put it. just throw and the ball, throw the ball to your best guy and let him go or and like him. and but to prove the point
0: though, you made the same argument, and you still do about ovechkin oh, exactly. he exactly. Stand, he stands there with his with his hands on his knees stiff legged but yet he still finds the puck and he still puts the puck in fifty goals a season now yeah. to, the scoring race potentially to beat wayne gretzky and but notice how he didn't get a Stanley Cup victory until they started to put some pieces around Ovechkin. Well, it's the same, it's the same thing. Conor McDavid will always be in the heart discussion. He'll always be in the art, in the art Ross discussion and all this stuff. Great. And he's one of the best, if not the best player in the game today, take nothing away from that. But on a team level, he, I don't see him hoisting Lord Stanley until when he comes off the ice or he goes down with an injury Edmonton can still string together 10 game win streaks and be be a force to play. play against.
1: and they're just not if he is enough to go three rounds in then let's see it we're about to find out aren't we that's that's what i mean so that's why they play the game The all the trophies and all the all the highlights mean nothing now the big kids are out of school now. It's playoffs, so let's see what let's see what it is. And and if if a guy like Tristan Jari can take Pittsburgh deep or all the way, then let's see it. And if McDavid is enough, let's see it. If uh, if the balance is good enough, here's this is and that's why with twelve or thirteen legitimate teams to go into the into the finals. That's why this season is, you know, they they've getting progressively better ever since the 04-05 lockout. Every season has gotten more parity, more equal. The upsets are less stunning. You know, this is a this is really cool. And I, I'm looking forward to this.
0: Balanced so. scoring and, and depth. And yep. like Toronto has six guys with with 20 goals. Mm-hmm. Colorado has nine or 10 guys with, with 15 plus goals, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: like it's balanced scoring. And then you get into Edmonton and it's McDavid who has a hundred points or more great feat in 56 games, take nothing away from him. McDavid has a hundred points. Drysdale has 80 some points. And then who's after that? So my point being made that take nothing away from him individually but on a team perspective, simple. Yep. They play the game. And if I'm, if I'm proven wrong this year in the playoffs, I'm proven wrong. But let's as, see it. In terms of predicting, which is what we're doing right now, I don't see Edmonton beating Winnipeg. And I don't see them coming out of the, the North or competing for a cup simply on the back of McDavid.
1: Depth. Depth. How does, much, does, we, we beat the same dead horse all the time. Goaltending, depth, size—you know—the chances, like just not and not luck. It's you make your own luck, but it's it's bounces. When the teams are this even, uh, the bounces and the and who gets banged up. I mean, look at look how much, look what guys have been getting hurt, and you can't even tell that there was an issue. Like guys, will take a little bump, a little hip or a shoulder or something like that. And all of a sudden he's got a, he's got an MCL. I, I, it's just that there's that much parity. Uh, you just never know. And and everybody's got to stay healthy. And then there's right. always that guy who shows up that nobody was counting on, you know? Yeah. So oh, it
0: was funny. You, know, you bring something up like, like that and then we'll, I'll share this story and then we'll get to the final division and then, do the, the quick hit stuff, but I was listening to, uh, I don't really, and I, one podcaster to another, I don't like to say, I don't really listen to them, um, but I don't really listen to and Chicklets. Uh, yeah. RA is just, they're very hard to listen to, but I was watching on YouTube the episode from a week ago when they were talking to Gabe Landeskog, and he was, um, Landis Cobb told a story. It was funny when you're talking about injuries and people going down and all this stuff. He told a story from, um, I think it was the 13 14 season when um, Colorado won the Central and under Patty Waugh and was, right. you know, right, and all right. this stuff. And, and he said it was funny that, you know, Eric Johnson. He and Eric Johnson are best friends. They live together, you know, and all that stuff. And, you know, he's like, EJ likes to give it, but he doesn't like to take it. So we're, we're out there and some guy takes a backhand from the blue line. These are Gabe's words. Some guy takes a backhand from the blue line. And that's hard to do anyway for a backhander, let alone from the blue line. And he muffins it and, it, it, and everything, and EJ blocks it. But EJ goes down like a sack of bricks. Like his foot was shattered in five different pieces, and and crawl literally crawls off the ice. Off a backhander? Yeah. So Landy and Jamie McGinn decided they were just cracking up. So they decided that they were. I think it was the next practice. The next practice, they went out with spray paint, and Land Landy laid on the ice. And McGinn spray painted him like it was a crime scene, right? A body crime scene. And then Landy got up and and it was the body imprint laying there. And then they spray painted the number six in the middle. Right. Okay. And he, he was not having, he did not like that. So he went inside. So EJ went inside and cut the pockets out of Jamie McGinn's designer jeans, which McGinn was not happy with because they were expensive jeans and it was just, it was hilarious. I mean, you just, it was a hilarious story when you talk about all that stuff. But <laughs> but Andy also did say something about um, Patty Waugh real quick about, um, you know, the importance of coaching and things. And he said, and he said Waugh was a good coach, but his problem was he didn't, he himself as a coach didn't have an identity. Oh, just I see. Work- Colorado ran into some issues with him because Waugh would come in and one day and be old school, nineties, two thousands, Patrick Waugh where bag skate, and this is how it's going to be and all this stuff. And then the next day he comes in and he's trying to be a player's coach and he's in the room shooting shit with everybody. And Oh, you know, all this stuff. And he's, He's he can't make up his mind which coach he wants to be and which way he wants to do it and that makes it hard for the players then to understand sure. what is expected of them and
1: um, it's a good lesson for our coaches out there too uh, like figure out who you are figure out what you coach to and uh, what your strength is anyway
0: I found the, that those couple stories interesting and that one pretty funny it was it was it was pretty pretty good but um, the crime scene. Love it. The final cool. final division, real quick, before we get to the quick yeah. stuff. Uh, the Central Carolina gets Nashville, and
1: Florida gets Tampa. Yeah. I, the Florida Tampa series outside of Toronto Montreal. That's that's going to be the, one of the most interesting outcomes because just because of the, the different trajectories they're on. Like Stamkos is banged up. Kucherov's still banged up. They've got – they really not had a lot of success outside of Vasilevsky and goal. Uh, Hedman is a little bit banged up. Florida is playing as well as anybody. I'm I really, really eager to see that. But Tampa's still got John Cooper, and they've got the experience. You can't discount Joe Quenville one of the top guys in history uh, and what he's done with that team. And they've got, they've got some studs there. That, that, that whole, uh, that whole top line is, you know, the, the Huberto, uh, that, that whole top unit is, is as good as anybody in the game. So that's going to be one, that's an absolute coin flip. Uh, Carolina over Nashville, I, I'd say is pretty foregone. And Nashville being one of just a couple of teams, I think you can scratch off. Uh, as it probably headed the wrong direction, but I'm going to spare myself the embarrassment of trying to predict anything beyond the first or second round. <laughs> I I don't think that's uh, I think that's a fool's errand.
0: Um, who who comes out of the central then, or at least who's your two teams in the in the final
1: matchup of the central to come out? Florida and Carolina. And oh yeah, Florida beating Tampa. I do. Um, I I think that's an upset. Uh, not maybe not enough upset but that's a matchup that tampa going to have a lot of trouble with unless they're 100 percent healthy and i don't think they are uh carolina i'm i don't like their goaltending so long term no they're going to beat nashville but getting out of that division or getting into the third getting out of the third round certainly i am not a player for nadelkovich or peter morazic either one so I just can't, I can't buy them long-term. Rob Brindamore, one of my favorite coaches, one of the best guys in the league, absolutely. Uh, and they play their hearts out. They got a lot of talent, but I don't like their goal- goaltending.
0: So this, is it a fair statement to say we're not predicting the Stanley Cup final matchup?
1: <laughs> <It> would be, <laughs> I, would I would be embarrassing ourselves if we tried to do predict it at this point. Is that what we're saying? I'm going to. I'm going to take a line out of Bob McKenzie's playbook and say that, that, that predictions are for predictors. And I'm not one. I, I know who I like, I know who I believe is going to get there, but it's going to be, I mean going public with predictions is just a way to sell copy. And I, I'm I'm going to go with uh, Bobby Mack here and say, let's just wait until a round or two is over and then start predicting.
0: Fair enough. How fair about
1: enough.
0: you? I've, Ooh i I know what my heart wants me to say, uh, but for the sake of the podcast you know and remaining objective <laughs> I'm not going to predict because it's just you know in the in the West, any one of those four teams could come out of the West, and you technically wouldn't be surprised no um Minnesota might be a bit of an upset if they did, but the way they've played all year is that much of a surprise. The East, any one of those teams could come out of the East, and that's not a surprise. If you really look at it, the the North, the only one to me that would be a surprise based on what we just spent a few minutes talking about would be Edmonton. But otherwise, the other three teams could come out of the North, and I wouldn't be shocked. And the Central, um, the only one I'd be shocked of coming out of the North, out of the Central, would be Nashville.
1: Yep,
0: agreed. Uh, Florida might be an upset just on the basis of kind of that shock team that they haven't been there in years past. And now here they are. Right. But, um, in terms of upsets, the one that would really shock me if they came out of the central be Nashville, and I just don't see that, but otherwise it's hard to predict. My heart tells me that, you know, you know, Colorado all the way, but I, objectively, I, it's hard to predict.
1: So I'm not going to, but, um, so in a week or two or like at least after the first round we can look at this again and and certainly we will because unfortunately for the world um juniors are shut down and and uh the u18 is over and you know Playoffs right now. This is all we have, uh, except we've got a couple of one-timers to discuss here before we're done. But okay, let's let's look hit. at this again in a couple of weeks.
0: Yep, agreed, agreed. We'll do that. But transitioning to finish up here this week, um, quick hit one-timer type stuff. Um, John Tortorella no longer with Columbus. Yeah,
1: I think that's good for everybody.
0: Away, uh, Gerard Gallant uh, is the front runner in New York for the right. right now um which also you know beg the question with with galant is he a guy for seattle but right now the front runner being the rangers and those are the quick hits i have I,
1: you know, you know, the coaching, coaching carousel is an interesting one because obviously people have to make changes um the one that the one that I like, I'm a I'm a big Spuds Galant fan. I think he's a wonderful guy and a wonderful coach, and players love him. Why he has, why he's flunked out twice now recently out of Florida and Vegas, I don't know. But I, he, he's going to do he's going to do well for someone somewhere. Uh, I don't know about him and Ronnie Francis in Seattle. I don't know if that's a situation that's going to work out or not. I don't know if how well they would get along. Uh, only they would know that. But the sleeper in the bunch to me is Rick Tockett. Uh, he's the one that needs to go someplace where he's got a little bit more talent to work with than he ever did in Arizona. And, um, and that's be a
0: guy for Seattle.
1: You think he's the he's the gem. I you know, if you've got I, w- I would love if you're the type of organization that wants to put somebody in that in that position for at least five or six years, then I would I my guy. So I'm real curious to see where he goes. I have world of respect for Rick Talkett and what he's done as a coach and as a player, for crying out loud. So I just need to uh, – you know, as far as one-timers are concerned, I'm going to say Kaprizov should have no he, – he should not be in the Calder running. The guy's like 30 years old. He played five years in the K, and he's going to come over here and win a Rookie of the Year award. Well,
0: they've got to—they've got to do, they've gotta, they've gotta differentiate, and they've got to put be more specific with their meaning for the awards. What they're basing right. it off of is he's a rookie in the NHL. Forget everywhere else, and I'm—I'm I'm not saying I agree. I'm just—I'm putting words to what I can tell you. That's, the meaning behind the award—that's how it reads. They're—they're they're the rookie. They're a rookie in the NHL now. Right. Tremendous player he's not a rookie in pro hockey and no. and and when you're 24 years old and you've already been in the gym and you've already you're already got that strength and you're already playing a man's game if you will i i agree he shouldn't be included just like panarin shouldn't have been included a number of years ago they've got it the league has to has to fix some of this the, I think the award, we've already beat to death how stupid the awards are in general, but yeah, yeah, yeah. they've got to fix some of this, that um, these 24, 25, 26-year-old guys are in the running for Rookie of the Year, that the Norris Trophy is given to the defenseman that scores the most points. That's, you know, all these, all these things, they've got to fix this, because. Yeah.
1: Well, they, I, I fixed it for them. We, we fixed this years ago because we stopped watching. Oh, sorry. so I, and, I, and I'm also, with no, no disrespect to anybody really, except um, Vaclav Netamansky in the Hall of Fame, uh, uh, I stopped watching that too. I mean, those are all great players, but until Cujo's in the Hall, I'm done. Uh, that's, and this thing is, like, you could make the argument that a guy could be 25 or 26 years old coming out of the AHL maybe he went maybe he went junior a then he went to college and then he you know got out of college at 23 or 24 and he spent 2 years in the a and now he's in the show and all of a sudden he's a great player and he wins the rookie of the year how is that different than playing in the k that's a that's a difference without a, that's a a distinction without a difference but i don't know how how they solve that but it does not seem right to me and I don't you know I guess I shouldn't I shouldn't complain about it unless I have the answer I would I would be tempted to put an age limit on it or at least because there are so many legitimate pro leagues in Sweden and in all over Europe and Russia especially because there are so many legitimate pro leagues they've got to do something about this so that a you know, a a Dylan Cousins or somebody like that comes out at 19 or 20 and has a great year, and he's nowhere because he's competing against guys four or five years older. It needs to be corrected. It needs to have some parameters put on it because when it was written up a generation or two ago, there were no other legitimate leagues in the world. There was only one. And now there are. Some of these things, like, I don't like the subjectivity of of a lot of these
0: things. And not just (laughs) – not just in hockey. I'm talking I'm talking Hall of Fame selection in baseball. I'm talking yeah, you know, who wins who wins Dancing with the Stars or American Idol? <laughs> you know, who gets selected to participate on the voice? All these different things. It's like <sighs> how are you deemed the be all end all expert? to make the judgmental decision on whether or not they get a high score or whether or not they're, they're good enough or whether or not they do this and that. It's like, yeah. it's like Luke Combs, one of the biggest country stars today is refused as a participant on The Voice, that singing show, because he's not entertaining enough. And yet look at him. I know look at his awards, look at his, look at his his record sales, look at his record sales, look at all this stuff. And, you know, or dancing with the stars, taking these celebrities who don't know how to dance and yet they grind away and put in the work to learn these dances in a short amount of time to perform them on live television. And then you're going to sit there and you're going to tell me that that wasn't a seven or eight score. That was a four or five because the toe was pointed in the wrong direction. I, it,
1: We're back it, to the figure skating judges. I,
0: I struggle with that because it's, it, you, whether you win American Idol or you don't, whether you participate on The Voice or you don't, you're a good singer if you're a good singer. Who, who is this panel of people to tell you, like Luke Combs, that you're not gonna be anything because you're not entertaining enough or because you didn't actually win the competition? Right, the majority of these, the majority of the most successful people out there are the people that don't win it. The majority of the people out, the p- hockey players out there that are successful weren't first overall draft picks. Correct. Like, why are we, why are we basing it on this subjectivity? What does that have to do with anything in regards to it? it so it, it baffles me the subjectivity of it. I don't know the solution. I don't want to beat it to death if I don't have a solution myself, kind of like you, but I
1: just, it, it so really baffles me. Here's the cool, here's the foolhardiness of that whole deal. It's, um, it's, uh, it's as if at the end of the year, someone would, someone would jump on our podcast and we would all decide who is our, who is the best player of the year. Or who was the the you know comeback player or the rookie of the year or whatever, it's just some random people that watch a lot of hockey that that get to make these choices and it, it, so why would I care? It's just an opinion and now you know, in the, especially in the era of social media, there are just hundreds of millions of opinions out there, none of which really mean anything. Form your own. Quit giving out awards that five or six people get to vote on. They're no, they don't have any more say in it than you and I. So that's a, that's a rant for another day too.
0: I'm a stats guy, so yeah, give me the hard something stats I can measure that proves something. So exactly, so He's something I can measure. Paul Stasny has now a thousand games played and almost 800 career points. Statistically, right there, that is at least somebody that should be on the ballot for the Hall of Fame at the end of his career. Yep. On those two numbers alone. Ryan, so here's the- Ryan frickin' Graves last year should have won the Norris.
1: Absolutely.
0: Because he was a plus
1: 42 on the year. And there are naysayers to the plus minus stat Then don't keep it.
0: Yeah. It...
1: I'm, we're gonna, I'm,
0: to, I'm gonna stop we're not gonna we're we've beaten this to death enough but it's just the award systems baffle me that you know yeah. like um, this year that like this year for example and this is all i'm going to say about it and you're damn right it's going to be an a a emotional type statement based on the avalanche but how you can have how you can have and i'm gonna look it up so i can say it correctly here The Avalanche finished 39 and 13. 39, 13, and 4. Their record in 56 games. Okay. Grubauer had 30 wins. How Grubauer is not a finalist for the Vesna baffles me. How Jared Bednar doing what he's done year in and year out from the avalanche after that abysmal 48-point year, and quite frankly, even including the 48-point year and how he got the team to respond on short notice, keeping their head up, keep grinding, keep competing, how he is not a Jack Adams finalist, let alone winner, year in and year out, baffles me. Because look at the statistics, the stats. They say that the the team and the coaching staff did this. Why, why are they not included even in the finalists, let alone selected as the winner? And I use that I use that emotional example as the example, but it (laughs) stats speak volumes to things.
1: If you you just answered all your own questions. If you you just answered all your so. Cujo's fifth or sixth all-time in wins. He's undrafted. He's got the same number of Stanley Cups as Roberto Luongo, and Luongo will be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Why? Cujo is not. Neither one of them ever played on very good teams. So in your case, the example you make is here's the stats that support the winningest goaltender in the league, the winningest coach in the league, a guy who's taken these guys from the outhouse to the penthouse, and – they don't even get a sniff. And this is exactly why there is no credibility left in any of these awards and, and the, thing, the recognition that is simply voted on by a panel of quote-unquote experts. It's, it's malarkey. And, I, and I, don't, I haven't taken any of it seriously in many, many years. And I would advise everyone out there to not take it seriously. That you're, it's why, it's, it's why a waste year. of time. If you want to have a good time, go to Vegas on, on awards weekend and have some fun. But as far as like hanging your hat on awards and why, writing a bonus in your contract based on getting an award, it's malarkey. It's absolute shite.
0: That's why when you look everywhere, all the highlights and, and you know, it's one of the things that always baffled, you know, Owen growing up and things like that, right? The, all the highlights are the, is the goalie being scored on, Right. <laughs> It's not the goalie making a save. It's the goalie being scored on. And I use that as an example because what it means is that we as a society, as a sports viewing society, what's exciting is the offense, the goal scoring, the overtime winners, the, you know, all this stuff. So, well, why wouldn't the Norris trophy go to the highest scoring defenseman? Because wow, he put up 50 points, right. And things like that, rather than, he played solid positionally, he was a plus forty he was you know he stayed out of the penalty box yep. he was this was his ice time minutes he he blocked this many shots so he's he's the number one defenseman why why and well i say why rhetorically based on what I just said I can tell you why it's because it's not exciting it's not <laughs> it's not exciting to say to say that you know, this that Grubauer is the Vesna Trophy winner with 30 wins helping the Avalanche do what he's done through the through a COVID year and do, doing whatever because well, he's in the Colorado market and that's not Vegas and that's yeah. not New York and not that's New not York.
1: LA, it's not the coasts. So, the none of that stuff makes sense. And this, this is you weren't born when this happened, but Fox Sports did some NHL broadcasts back in the 80s, I think it was, late 80s, early 90s, and they put a little um, flame coming out of the back of the puck so that all the people who had never seen a hockey game before and had no idea what they were watching, those people could follow the puck because they were too stupid to do it otherwise. Now, I'm all for getting new fans acquainted with the game, but if if your acquaintanceship with the game is – the only fun hockey game is a seven to six game, then you're an idiot. And, and you should stop pandering to that crowd. Quit changing rules so that every game has 11 goals in it. How, wh- whatever happened to a two-to-one pitcher's duel being an exciting baseball game with some great catches and some double plays turned and stuff? Like, whatever happened to two-to-one hockey games? Now, granted, if the whole game is played in a neutral zone, As as twenty years ago, New Jersey and Minnesota used to play the game. Then, yeah, that's boring. Nobody likes that. So, it's funny. But when you have a thirty, when you have thirty-eight shots to thirty-seven shots, and it's two to one, that's an exciting hockey game. So, if you're quit pandering to the people that only know if the red light goes on. Or if there's a fight, they, that's the only time they know when anything is happening. That, that's funny you say stupid. that
0: because, it's funny you said that because before we jumped on Zoom, I was watching. Um, I've been watching the '96 Stanley Cup Final, Colorado and Florida, and they've got the the blue glow with the puck. Oh, okay. So. Right so the blue glow is constantly on the puck so when it moves you know where the puck is. Yeah. Depending on what depending on what kind of shot is taken it, like if it's a slap shot all of a sudden it becomes like a red flame coming out of the back of it like wow that was a really hard shot. <laughs> so I just I'm sitting here watching it kind of baffled myself like oh I forgot that they did
1: this. And I can't take it anymore. We have to they, stop. we makes have to be me worried more. for what they're going to do with ESPN and TNT. I won't I won't be watching it. Uh one thing before we go, and, and this is just, I got nothing against this guy necessarily, but uh, Jack Eichel lipping off about his medical condition is 100% out of bounds. He's, taught, he's, he's browned off at the Sabres because they won't let him do an experimental procedure on a neck disc, a disc replacement. It's never been done on an AHL player before. Buffalo Sabres have $80 million invested in this kid. Now he's come public with his his problem, and he's weighing in medically and telling the team that they need to let him do this procedure when they write his paycheck, which, by the way, is about $500,000 every two weeks. So the team gets to say, What kind of procedure they're signing off on, and and the PA has not said that this is something that they would admit that they would allow. Also, so insurance and the PA and and the league, nobody wants this done, and yet he's in front of a microphone whining about his neck disc. It's absolutely out of bounds. Now he's untradeable. He's unhealthy. He's unhappy, and he is worth absolutely sweet FA to the Buffalo Sabres, and to everybody else until he gets this fixed.
0: Well, Eichel's got a big wake-up call if he, th- if he thinks a trade will solve it. I can yeah. tell you right now...
1: He's untradeable.
0: Well, not just that, but I can tell you right now, 31 other teams, and to clarify to all those listening, you know, based on the conversation we just had about people who don't know anything about it, 31 other teams, that includes every other NHL team 31 other teams would not let him get the procedure either. No, I can tell you that right now. That's a guarantee. So if he also, he's he's going to come out on a microphone and complain and f- one force a trade, which just isn't going to happen. But two, but two then get traded, and the Rangers or the Kings or the Red Wings or the Blackhawks or anybody like that is then going to say, "Sure,
1: Jack, go for it." He's sorely mistaken. I'm going to – so here's what, I, here's what you do in the GM's chair. Let's see. I'm going to take next year's first-round pick, a top prospect, and a roster player. I'm going to package that up, send it to Buffalo. I'm going to send at least three major league assets to Buffalo. And I'm going to take on a $10 million salary in a flat cap. And what do I get in return? I get a guy with a neck disc that he thinks needs to be sawed off and replaced. Stand in line if you want to make that deal. Hold up your hand if that's if you think you're going to make that deal and your owner is not going to fire you within a half hour of that, jump right up. Oh. Not going to happen. And Eichel, if he wants out of Buffalo, the best thing he could have done was kept his mouth shut get this thing fixed, do rehab it, do whatever the league and the PA and the medical staff say to do, get it fixed, put a smile on your face and produce. And and he's done the producing part, but he's, you can't, when you start yapping about wanting out of here, your value goes down. Now I know you got to trade this guy because he doesn't want to play for you. So instead of a first, a second and a prospect, Ah, my offer just goes way down when I know you have to unload it. I mean this who is advising this kid on what that was one of the stupidest 20 minutes I've ever seen and I've seen a lot. It was a big anyway, that was my last one timer of the day.
0: On on that note, it was a big it was a big return and we're seeing it pay off if you're watching whether you're a fan of of them or not. It was a big return on the Duchesne trade out of Colorado. But it makes you wonder what the return could have been if he, if Duchesne kept his mouth shut. Right. If Duchesne, if Duchesne showed up to the, to the mandatory captain's skate that the avalanche hold every year, he not disappeared until the last second before camp. Had he had a smile on his face, shown up ready to work. Had he been, pleasant to be around had he done all this stuff it makes you wonder what the return could have been it changes everything. Um, and, and as a, a fan of the avalanche i am bowing down to joe sackick and that trade for what it's doing for them now and in the future but the point being what the return could have been for duchene had he you know done his job
1: yep I, I couldn't agree more and the I mean, guys that are easier to move are the guys that that make you at least believe that they're happy and that go out and do their job and keep their mouth shut.
0: you don't have to be happy, but what you have to do is yeah what you have to do to everybody else is, is you have to put on the face like you've just gone through a breakup you're heartbroken you're hurt, but you're not going to show it because then she wins so now i'm gonna go out and i'm gonna i'm gonna put a smile on my face and i'm gonna go hard i'm gonna hit the parties i'm gonna i'm gonna you know go on dates with new girls i'm gonna do this and that and they're gonna see that my life continues without you <laughs> you don't have to be happy you just have to make everyone think you're happy exactly that's all You don't have to be happy in buffalo and right now, right now I, don't, I don't see how a lot of the, those players could be. But put a smile on your face, go to work, put your head down, and grind. And I can tell you right then that if you do that, you won't be in Buffalo that much longer. No. They will accommodate. But if you're going to just do this, you, you, you know, now Eichel doing this means no matter how much they try to accommodate him, it makes a, a deal that much more difficult.
1: 10 10 out of 10 and not only that but this guy is wearing the c so what happens as soon as he starts lipping off about buffalo now wrist has come out and said he would like a trade or would you know like to play out his options what is the rest of that room thinking when this is your leadership when this is the kid wearing the c making 10 million dollars and he acts like this i thought I, i i was just like i if I'm his agent or his dad, I'd slap him silly, but that's just me. Anyway, I know you got to run. We've been, uh, our, our little 15 or 20 minute chat once again, turned into about an hour. So, uh, not bad though. So it, time flies when you're having fun. I
0: enjoy it. So yeah, it was good. Good you quick hit stuff. Although can you really call it quick hits anymore? Cause we did talk for a while. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, um, let me just remind everybody that when I say one timer, when it takes me 15 minutes to talk about a one timer, the dust off episode. Kind of the same way as I shot a one timer. It would take me that long to dust it off and wrist it. You know, dust dust-off off episode.
0: <laughs> dust off episode. I get the puck in the slot right there, just put it on net. And instead, I'm going to stand there and dust the puck off. Just update it
1: well listen hey thanks for having me on look up to
0: the heavens when the goalie gets there to save it or when shot gets blocked
1: (laughs) anyway exciting stuff coming up the playoffs will be in full tilt by the time we get back to the microphone so uh exciting good stuff
0: good stuff to look forward to uh thanks for joining this week thanks for having me on we'll see you again Uh, on zoom next week hopefully uh, we'll have some playoff hockey at that point to discuss as things have started and progressed. So, right on. Uh, all right, I appreciate bud. Appreciate it. Thanks I'm, for having me on. I'm Evan Rauer from the Hockey Podcast, and we'll see you all throughout the hockey community. Cheers. Cheers. Great conversation this week on Zoom. Dad, thanks for joining again. We appreciate it. Appreciate you uh, being devoted enough to make, make it work um, given the travel restrictions and. Inability to be in studio together in person. So appreciate it. Good conversation. Recordings are a little skewed. Um, if, you, if you pay attention to it, playoff hockey is underway. Conversation we had was preparation for playoffs. But the playoffs are well underway, multiple games. A little skewed there. Uh, Our apologies, but we hope you enjoyed the conversation. We hope you've been enjoying playoff hockey up to this point. We hope you enjoy it all the way, the rest of the way through. This is going to be a a mad sprint for the next six to eight weeks uh, to the Stanley Cup Final and then into the the offseason, excuse me, with the expansion draft and all these crazy things in preparation for what everybody hopes will be a regular season next year. 82 games starting in October. So it should be good. So settle in, enjoy it. Again, Facebook and Instagram, Worm the Hockey Podcast, at Worm the Hockey Podcast, respectively. Like and follow us there. Engage with us. Write questions, share stories. We'd love, love to hear from you. Apple Podcasts and Spotify, Amazon Music and iHeartRadio. Make sure you rate review hit the subscribe button we're also posting our zoom conversations on youtube make sure you subscribe there hit the notification bell and the thumbs up and we greatly greatly appreciate the support so warm the hockey podcast i'm evan rauer and we'll see you all throughout the hockey community cheers